nostalgic movie review from Nerdy Married Man. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Yeah. Hope you guys enjoyed our last episode. We did the Karate Kid original versus remake. And now we are going into David's bad pick movie, which it is a bad pick. Yeah, the uh, bad date. It's terrible. <laughs> uh, the Last Airbender from 2010. It's PG. It's an hour and 43 minutes from M. Night Shyamalan. Yep, and. For all of you who don't know, this is based off of the Nickelodeon series Avatar The Last Airbender. Um, I think he dropped Avatar as the title mainly because James Cameron Avatar was coming out, uh, I believe that same year or the year before. Probably didn't want to have that confusion. Yeah. And I originally thought that's why he changed all the pronunciations of the name, but I was wrong. We'll get into that later. <laughs> <laughs> But yes, um, this movie is stars Noah Ringer as Aang, or Ong. I'm not going to pronounce their names the wrong way. So if you watch the movie and didn't watch the show, you're going to hear all the wrong pronunciations. Um, Nicole Peltz-Speckham as Katara, Jackson Rathbone as Sokka, which he was in Twilight as Jasper. Yes, he was. So he was in two horrible (laughs) adaptations. (laughs) Uh, Dev Patel as Prince Zuko, which he was in Slumdog Millionaire, as one of his big movies. Yeah, Sean Tobe as Uncle Iroh. Uh, not a lot of other big people. Asif Mendvi, I can't pronounce his name if that's wrong, sorry. As Commander Zhao, and Cliff Curtis as Fire Lord Ozai. Um, that's pretty much it for like the big casting. Yeah, that's uh, definitely the gist of it that you'll recognize from other places. All right, let's go ahead and read the synopsis. So, follows the adventures of Aang, a young successor to a long line of avatars, who master all four elements to stop Fire Nation from enslaving the Water Tribes and Earth Kingdom. It's a synopsis for the movie, but it's not a synopsis for the story. <laughs> that's the most basic version of it. I mean, that's well, and it, it is the story, but that, that's, that plot synopsis almost makes it sound like every avatar has to fight the Fat Her Nation and help the Water Tribes and Earth. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, a long line of avatars who must. So apparently, Fire Nation's always bad. Which but no, the no. Fire Nation only turned bad. When Aang stopped being the Avatar. <sighs> a little before that. Well, yeah, I guess a little bit before that, but not too much. Um, Rotten Tomatoes score uh, for this is a 5% critic score and a 30% audience score. Why? That is way too generous. <laughs> this movie is absolute trash. I'm sorry, I, I hate on this movie so much because I'm, I'm one of the... I love Avatar, The Last Airbender, so much. It is a wonderful show, and this movie just... I'm pretty sure all three seasons of Avatar, The Last Airbender have a 100% Rotten Tomatoes rating critic score. I wouldn't be surprised. If not, up in the high 90s for every single season. I know at least one of the seasons, I think, had either 99 or 100. So, like, just a comparison. It goes from... 100% 100% to 5% with just an M. Night Shyamalan touch. <sighs> Which, yeah, this is when M. Night Shyamalan's career really started going downhill. 
and didn't really recover until split. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably <laughs> say so. Um, I just, this movie's just so bad. Uh, uh, I guess some fun facts for the movie. Um, so I talked about the pronunciations being changed for the characters in this movie. He changed Aang to Ong. He changed Sokka to Soka. And he changed Iro to Iro. He also pronounces uh, Agni Kai, which is a, uh, a fighting battle between firebenders as Agni Ki. Oh, yeah. Um, and he's, instead of saying Avatar, he says Avatar. Yeah, Avatar. Actually, it also says Avatar a few times. That, yeah. No one in the movie knows how to say or <laughs> what to say when they're talking about Avatar. Some of them say it right. It's just... And those are the only characters he changed. Every other character is the exact same pronunciations. Name, yeah, name-wise. Name-wise. And I, there was an interview that he did where he said, For me, the whole point of making the adaptation was to ground it deeper in reality. So I pronounced the names as Asians would. It's just impossible to pronounce Aang the way it is used in the series. It's incorrect. I can't do it. So I just pronounced it correctly. See, and there's also another interview with him where he talks about how he wanted to show respect to the original source material. Mm -hmm. And that whole statement you just read contradicts the other statement, where it's like you're not showing respect to the source material. You are ripping it apart. And wanting to show a lot of respect to the a lot of the Chinese culture that this show is established on he casted the movie with the main three stars being all white and then all of the Fire Nation being all Indian people so he could be in a movie like he does in every single one of his movies and all of his favorite Indian actors could be in the movies and he made the entire Fire Nation Indian people made the entire Earth Nation Asian people and he was like there's Asian people in my movie. I represented them. And people are like, but you cast the main characters as white. There's no white people in this entire series. Well, it, it doesn't make sense when you show the rest of the water tribe look like Eskimos or Inuits. And then you show Sokka, Katara, and Grand Grand. And it's the three, only three white people in the southern water tribe. And yeah. Just- and then they made Aang white. And they made his Buddhist air nomad monk a six foot six, two hundred eighty pound black guy, which show me a Buddhist that looks like that. <laughs> he looks like a football player. Like he looks the size of Michael Clark Duncan. <laughs> Rest in peace. <laughs> like seriously, like this guy's huge, and he plays Monkeyatsu, which just hurt my soul seeing oh. that. Like I'm all for anyone playing any roles when they're like. One of the best examples I've heard of this is um, anyone can play Superman because he's an alien. So any race could play him because he's an alien that came from outer space. He could look like anything. Okay. It doesn't necessarily matter if he's white or black or Asian or Indian or whatever race he would be. But if you had a character like Magneto who grew up in the Holocaust, he would have to be a Jewish guy. He would have to look like a white Jewish guy. And that makes sense because it's part of who he is. It's part of his lore. It's kind of like I wouldn't ever want a white Black Panther because you couldn't have a white guy in Wakanda. Like yeah, it would just it make be, sense. Yeah, it would make no sense. Like there's so many of these things that it's fine to change the characters, the way they look, the way they 
act, their race, their hair color, whatever, mm-hmm. unless it's an established part of who that character is. And that's where I get annoyed with it. Yeah, it's really frustrating. Um, back into some other uh, fun facts. Uh, apparently the original cut of the movie was over seven hours long because uh, <laughs> they wanted to try to fit all 20 episodes of season one into oh, the first Jesus. movie. So they had to cut a lot, which makes sense as to why the movie feels the way it does. Which, in comparison, the animated series is 460 minutes long for all 23 or 24 episodes it is, which is seven and a half hours long. Yeah, the, the first season is, is 20 episodes. Yep. Um, other fun facts, they have... Uh, this movie tied with uh, Twilight Saga Eclipse in 2010 for the 2011 Razzie Awards for worst <laughs> worst motion picture of the year. Oh, uh, that's awesome. It also won a Golden Raspberry for the worst picture. And then uh, on Nickelodeon, they did not give it any nominations at the Kids' Choice Awards because it was not deserved. Yeah. Um, and another really fun thing is uh, casting for Sokka. Apparently, Zac Efron initially auditioned for it. That would have and, been so uh, much better. He was offered the role, but Zac Efron declined because he had a scheduling conflict. Good for him. I know. I'm so I'm proud so of glad that he wasn't in this. Because honestly, like Zac Efron, I am madly in love with that guy. Like I love almost every movie he's been in. And I'm, a, I'm really sad that the new uh, Firestarter remake... I heard was really bad, but I, I heard he was good in it at least. It, he has a nice wide range of acting skills. So, and oh, yeah. I mean, especially in his comedies in recent years, he's just he's really good at it. Yeah, we'll we'll go into Zac Efron more in a different movie. <laughs> I could talk about him forever. <laughs> yeah, let's move on to the highlights, the few that there are. So the intro, opening credits scene, kind of like what they do in the show, where they're talking about uh, Earth. Air, wind, water. These four elements, while they're showing a person of each uh, nation doing their uh, bending bending style, that was actually pretty decent in this remake. I thought that opening scene was actually like, oh, okay, it's going to be good. It's it's really funny because that opening scene showing them showcasing the different bending styles is good. And I also wrote down that the end credits, the music, and then it shows the animations of the characters, like they're painted and doing mm-hmm. different bending. I thought that was okay. And so I'm like, well, all right. The opening <laughs> credits were good. Um, I guess some of the other things in the movie, like the music is actually pretty good throughout the movie. It's actually, that's it one of the things decent. that the movie got praised for when it came out. Um, uh, the locations and like some of the things like the, the way like the Aang's glider looks, um, a lot of the, the ships from like the fire nation and stuff, a lot of those things look really good. They look really great for the adaptation, like comparing them from the cartoon to the live action movie. I was actually pretty impressed pretty with the way that a lot of the costumes looked with the way a lot of uh, the ships and the locations, they were all just like really beautiful. Like, especially like the Northern water tribe was a, it was actually a really beautiful oh, setting. Yeah. The setting looked really good. And, um, as far as other things, the bending looked fine in some places. Like some of the air bending looked good and some of the water bending. But when it comes to the earth and fire bending, I was really frustrated with that. Um, I hated that the air bending in this looked like sand bending. Yeah. Because in the cartoon, it's just air. And I, I know it's probably a little harder to show in live action. 
but it just it wasn't that. Well, in in the anime, they had the advantage of being able to kind of draw the air in as like you know mm-hmm. the the transparent like gray or blue scale coloring wind. Yeah. Whereas in this, it's like how do you showcase air? And be able to show it, it's you got to add like dust particles, but you got to I mean, add dirt, you got to add whatever you can to make it visible. But that being said, it does not look that good. Yeah. So, well, and I, uh, if you take scenes like um, when the blue spirit, like when he brings that entire fog in, there's no dust colorization with that. And that's just gray, bluish clouds that they bring in with air where they made it look like the the fog, he was controlling the fog coming in. That was actually pretty cool. And I was like, that's actually pretty decent, but like they could have done those colors for his airbending and all the other mm-hmm. scenario. Like they could have made it look more like air and less like earth. The the main time I understand why they had dirt in the airbending is when they were in the earth jail camp that yeah. they had, which I have a whole nother problem oh, with that. But <laughs> uh, do you have any more highlights? Because I... I do. Um, I actually did enjoy one performance in this movie. Um, the girl who played Princess Yue. I actually thought she did a really decent job. I thought, um, besides the penis hair in that one scene, <laughs> which, if you guys don't know, there's a scene where you see her from the back and her hair literally makes a penis shape. And it is the most blatant penis shape you'll ever see in a hairdo it's it's you'll never see a girl with this hairstyle ever in the next scene the hair is changed for obvious reasons uh fun fact about the actress that played princess ua which makes me very happy is this is not the only time that she has been involved in the avatar universe she actually oh, yeah. voices asami in the legend of korra series oh she's the voice awesome. of asami so which, that is uh, Seychelles Gabriel. Yes, and so she did really good. Um, yeah, I actually, like, I really loved her performance. I remember when I first watched the movie, I actually did have a couple of tears in my eyes at her death scene because it was really accurate to the show. That's the most accurate thing in this entire movie was her death. Not all the things around it, but her death. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. that was definitely probably the most accurate. So those are probably the only three things I liked in this movie. Same. <laughs> the downfall list is uh, much longer. Yeah. Uh, to start off, the, the movie, after it showcases the great opening, you expect to get right into the where the first episode starts. Uh, but instead, it just has a slow-moving, boring text narration going up the screen, being read by Katara, and it is, it is awful. Yeah, which I mean, the show kind of started out with Katara narrating too, so I think that's what they were going for. But... They were, but <laughs> the show had feeling and yeah. heart into what Katara was saying, where in this, it was the actress saying like, Long ago, the Avatar disappeared, <laughs> and then the he time. came back. We found Aang in the ice. <laughs> it was cool. <laughs> it's just, it's read so horribly, and uh, to move off of that, like, all dialogue in the movie is, is just awful. There's no feeling to it, minus a couple things, and there's just no... No humor. There, well, especially with Sokka. Sokka is supposed to be this 
I mean, he has serious moments, but he uses humor to get past things. Mm -hmm. And Sokka has no humor or any inflection in his voice ever. In the show, if you're not familiar with it, Sokka is the sarcastic comedy fodder character. He's the person that always brings the comedy. He's a person who's always like... Like, there's, there's a scene in the original, like, when they find Aang in the uh, show where Appa, like, puts his tail on him and then, like, sneezes all over him. And he's like, ah, I'm covered in bison snot. And he's just, like, overdramatic. And he's, like, he's a really dramatic person. Like, he's Definitely. always, like, really loud and really obnoxious and really, like, just apparent in everything that he does. And in this, he's just like, ugh, Appa, it's sad on me. Yeah, they uh, <laughs> in the show he had such good humor, and he, they actually uh, in the first season they showcased a lot of like dry dad humor in it, and they had this ongoing joke, and it's only in the first season where after Sako would make a joke, there'd be silence, and then you'd just hear a little <coughs> in the background, and it was perfect. Like Sokka is just he's not here in this movie, and it is so disappointing. Like. Every time he uses his boomerang, he would say something about his boomerang in the show. To be boomerang! Fair, to be fair, he only uses boomerang twice in this movie. Yeah. In the beginning, when he breaks Aang out of the ice, and uh, I think during the last yeah. final battle, he throws it once. But other than that, it's never used. He pulls it out a couple times, but... Yeah. But yeah, the, the, the point of all this is that the whole acting experience in this movie just feels lifeless. Um, I don't know, like, I wish that the Sonic fan base <laughs> could have yelled at the people who designed the Appa face, because yeah. Appa's face looks just as bad as ugly Sonic face when that was first, that trailer was first released. It is that bad. And it's funny, because when you first see Appa, he looks fine. His hair looks pretty, his effects look pretty good. Yeah. And then you see his face. And, and then you're like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so bizarre. But then, like, you see Momo, and, oh, cool, like, Momo looks pretty good for what he is. Momo's barely in the movie. He is. He's, he's barely seen. But... He's, like, always seen, like, flying in the background or something, or just, like, flying around randomly. But, like, Momo is such a big character. Like, even to Sokka, like, he would steal Sokka's food, and Sokka would get mad at Momo. And there was, like, all these, like, fun, dramatic comedy moments with them, too, that we just didn't get. <laughs> Well, the good thing about Appa and Momo in this movie is uh, they are voiced by D. Bradley Baker, who yes. did the animal voices in the show, too. So, I mean, that's really cool having him back for this, but they're... Yeah, he, he's just the good. best animal voice actor of all time. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> he, could, he could do anything. Yeah, he's insane. Um, I hated... We're going to go more into downfalls here. I hated in his first Avatar state... He sees Roku's dragon, and the dragon speaks to him throughout all of his avatar states, or when he goes into the spirit realm or whatever. He's always seeing Roku's dragon. Roku's dragon's talking to him. I'm like, why is Roku's dragon talking? Well, and it's frustrating because they never explicitly say that it's Roku's dragon. That's it's true just too. some dragon spirit, and it's really frustrating because uh, I would have been fine if he spoke to Roku's dragon. If they talked about it, but I would have rather seen Roku himself. Yeah. And also Roku announces who he is and he, he gives Aang insight into the past lives of the Avatar. And it's, it's so yeah. powerful. Which that whole scene 
like, oh, that was another thing that was really, really wrong. In that scene where they go to all the other, uh, where all the statues of all the past avatars are. Yeah, they're in one of the the. They go to Eastern the Air Temple, or Southern. No, they go to the Southern, but in the show, it's in the Northern Air Temple. That's right. I think you're right. So they did but it. But it shows backwards. all the statues of the avatars, and I think I know where you're going. This, go ahead. <laughs> and then they have that one Earthbender who is never even in the show at all. And he is part of this Fire Nation trap to bring the Fire Nation to or Aang to the Fire Nation by showing him these Avatar statues. And I'm just sitting here like, you cut down a seven hour cut of this movie trying to get 20 episodes of the show in here. But then you're adding shit to something that never was in it in the first place. Well, that's not even the thing that bothers me the most about that scene. Okay. <laughs> the, the inaccuracy in that scene that frustrates me is you see the statues of the past avatars and they go in order and they actually show you Roku's statue. And then who became, who was before Roku was Avatar Kiyoshi. But the statue that is there is a, a, a male earthbender. So it's not Avatar Kiyoshi. Oh. But then all of the other statues that came before are wrong. No, none of the statues are the past avatars from the original show, so it's just made-up avatars. That's so bad. Which probably shouldn't bother me as much as it does, but then they later showcase in, in Earth Nation City that the statue of Avatar Kyoshi. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, well, if you're going to show it there, and she was right before Roku, why not have it in the Air Temple as well? Why have these random statues? Yeah. Part of the other thing that I hated, like, speaking of Kyoshi, was in the Earth Nation camp that they go and help, in the original, Han was this, like, same age as Katara, like, 15, yep. earthbending gets caught, and then this, they don't even say his name, and it's some, like, 8-year-old kid instead of a 15-year-old. Well, <laughs> they kind of mixed this, the, the Earth Nation town there, because mm -hmm. they talk about how this is the place where Avatar Kiyoshi lived. And it's like, no, they're in the show. There's Kiyoshi Island, which is where Avatar Kiyoshi created that Island. She pushed it away from the, the nation, mm -hmm. but that city where Han is, is a totally different town. Yes. And it, they mixed the two. I hated that so much because Kiyoshi Island was such a huge part and the Kiyoshi warriors, especially. Mm -hmm. And I mean, like Suki is one of the biggest characters in the entire show. <laughs> Non-existent in the movie. Non-existent. But it's so just annoying how much they just like tried pushing a lot of these things together where it just didn't work. Like they trapped earthbenders in a place that's just earth. It's mountainsides. Yeah. Like in the show, the, containment camp where they jailed all of the earthbenders is not a little open sandy cliff area where there's earth everywhere in the show they actually took them to a metal jail camp structure that is in the middle of the ocean it's completely made out of metal because at that time metal bending was non-existent and the only thing they could use to fight back was the coal in that station but they were tortured so much they were afraid to even fight back with the coal. It's not until Katara shows up to help Han and his father to exactly. escape and give them courage and hope to be able to escape. And in this, it's like, hey, you're surrounded by Earth, guys. Let's <laughs> let's do something about it. And then they do. And then I hated 
this scene's always going to go down as one of the worst scenes in any movie ever, especially in the Avatar ad- adaptation. When the Earthbenders do fight against them, there's one in the, the beginning of the fight, there's two Earthbenders, both lift up their hands, immediately make a four foot by six foot wall, blocks every attack. Amazing wall. I was like, all right, that's some good earthbending. And then the next freaking 30 seconds later, it shows six airbenders doing a... Earthbenders. Yeah, sorry. I don't know why I said airbenders. Six (laughs) earthbenders doing a stupid little five-second dance. It goes like... To lift one one inch by three-inch pebble. This small little rock floats in front of the screen, (laughs) and then this last guy just goes... And it flies into one guy. And it's even better because when the rock hits the guy in the background, it makes a giant... Like it was a gunshot. Well, and then they only ended up defeating... I think I counted five firebenders in this fight. And the rest of the Fire Nation leaves that camp. They all just run away like little cowards. And I'm like, five? It took... Five of you getting rocks thought at you or hit with air to just give up the entire thing? And that that's what makes it even worse is it was like a total of maybe eight earthbenders and then Aang using airbending. But then you look over and you see Sokka and Katara. They kind of pose a little bit like they're going to fight, but they do not do anything. And throughout the whole movie... They'd almost never do anything, if especially Katara. She has a few talks, and there's at one point where in that scene, she tells one of the firebenders to leave leave him alone to Aang and just kind of shoves him a little. But then she's just stands there. Katara doesn't do yeah. much in this movie at all, minus bending water a, a couple times. There's just so many bad things in this movie. Like, I just... I don't even know where to all start with this because, like, I have almost an entire page and a half of just things I hated about this movie. Yeah. We could probably go on for the entire length of what this movie is to shit-talking this movie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We could talk about how Ozai looks bored or Iroh's test for the Avatar is lame or Zuko's (laughs) scar is almost non-existent or... Iroh's voice in this... Just Uncle Iroh in the show is that lovable old guy that everyone falls in love with. No matter who you are, he's that character that everyone treasures, and he's just got the most amazing voice about him. And when he's supposed to be so wise and inspirational, and no matter what, he, he always has some sort of anecdote that is going to help whoever he's talking to. And he's just... That wisdom is so powerful. And in this movie, he, he doesn't say anything wise well and like when he speaks like in the original it's like zuko you need to be doing this you should be going after the ladies it'd be lots of fun and then like in this he's like zuko you should have a girlfriend i i told the the commander that you had a girlfriend wouldn't that be fun if you had a girlfriend and then (laughs) zuko's like i'll tell you why i can't have a girlfriend and i need to get my honor back hey little boy come here does, it, does he say honor in the movie? I, I didn't even think he ever said it. I think he did, like, once or twice. Uh, but at one point, he, like, tells this little boy to come. And uh, he's like, do you know what happened to the prince? Uh, the prince spoke up when he wasn't supposed to, to. And he had to do an Agni key with his dad. And his dad burned him in front of everybody. That's why I can't do that. <laughs> I'm like, hey. what? <laughs> 
so ridiculous. Which Zuko's motivations in the cartoon, you feel for the character. And Dante Bosco's voice acting for Zuko is just fucking well, phenomenal. He is Zuko. Yeah. That's the, he, that, that, that's the easiest way to put it. Dante Bosco is Zuko. For sure. But th- this movie just... At the same time, it felt so rushed and long yes. and boring. Like, it, it's, it's so horrible. And this movie is one of the prime examples why it is almost impossible, not completely, but almost impossible to adapt an anime into a live-action movie or TV show. Yeah. There are few exceptions out there, and I'll accept that, but... Death Note! I feel like... Japanese live-action, not American. <laughs> I feel like it's just... It shouldn't be done. Do something else, please. Well, and I felt like he... There is a way that you could have done this, but one of the, like the big problems for me, like, we are talking about pacing and stuff, um, this movie's an hour and 43 minutes long. They are in the last... The last, like, three or four episodes of the show are all in the Northern Water Drive. That is the last 45 minutes of this movie. So the first hour is basically 17 episodes glossed over, and then the last 45 minutes is, hey, last three episodes of the show. Yeah. Which is just... Awful. Which they almost had enough time doing it that way to fully flesh out that entire war because they were doing it almost in the exact time limit because 45 minutes, they're 22 minutes an episode. So that's only 66 minutes. They only cut 15 minutes of this, and they almost had enough time to actually do everything scene by scene the exact same way, and it would have made this movie way more tolerable. But instead, the last 45 minutes is just glossing over the last three episodes and making it really weird. And and adding new things to it that never happened, like killing off one of the main villains. Yep. They killed off Commander Zhao, which he doesn't die, I don't think, until, like, halfway through season two or season three. Or I don't even know if he dies then. He just gets really injured. Yeah, he gets injured. It's never explicitly shown or said that he dies. But that show does make a point to never... It's kind of wishy-washy about who dies and who lives. And there's a joke about it in season two when one of the characters does die and it he clearly dies. And later in the series, they bring it up and said, what did happen to him? Did he just die? And they're like, eh, it was never really explained. <laughs> it's just a funny little joke. But yeah, yeah. Commander Zhao never dies. Um, one of the things I also hated about this is in the original cartoon... All the other past Avastars are always telling Aang that he might, at some point in his life, have to go against his Air Nation monk ways and have to hurt people and maybe even have to kill somebody. And in this, Roku's dragon explicitly tells him, as the Avatar, he is not meant to hurt anyone. It's contradicting the show. Which, yeah, because literally every Avatar has had to kill somebody and has had a moment where they were like, I didn't want to do it, but I knew I had to. I knew that if I didn't stop this guy, there wouldn't bring balance to the world. And that is my entire purpose on this planet, is to bring balance to the world. So if that guy lives, there is no balance. Which Aang, in the series, eventually finds a way to get around killing Ozai. Yes. But in the show, it's funny that the dragon tells him, don't kill anybody. And then Aang will just go up and flat out hit someone in the face with his staff. <laughs> it's like the complete opposite of what the dragon's telling him. Yeah. Um, we both 
noticed that in the last Water Nation fight, there's this big war going on. It's almost, it's supposed to almost be like a Helm's Deep style of war with all these hundreds of Fire Nation naval ships coming against. Hundreds. <laughs> yeah, there's 10 or something in this. Okay. Whereas in the cartoon, there's a shit ton. And this entire army is attacking this giant fortress that's built into the wall, that's built to be this the most impenetrable force ever, kind of like Helm's Deep was. Uh-huh. And this giant battle that has all of these Water Nations fighting, all of these Fire Nations using all their crazy bending, and there's just a lot of fist fighting. There is bending in it, but there's a lot of fist fighting, and there's a lot of background actors that aren't hitting anything, aren't hitting anyone, and we both saw noticed someone that was in front of everybody not fighting anyone. He was just throwing punches and kicks at air. Yeah, the, the, it was a firebender, yeah, just punching the air. And <laughs> going on with the showing the bending in the fights, some of the bending is fine, but a lot of it, the choreography is, it seems like it's very slow motion, but not. But at the same time, they're doing too many moves to summon one thing. But the thing about the bending that frustrates me the most is in the firebending, in the show, the fire is told to be, it comes from your core, it comes from your heart. The firebenders can summon fire out of thin air. They can, they punch and they shoot a fireball. In the show, it explicitly shows that they have to have a fire source, which is very contradictive in the final scene where they're in the Northern Water Tribe, everything is ice and water. The fire, or the waterbenders could just put out all of the torches around, then the firebenders would not be able to bend. Yep. There is one firebender in the movie, Iroh, uh, shown that to be able to summon fire without having a source around. Yeah. But in the show, it is, you can use fire from your source. It is, you know, eventually they learn that the sun can provide the fire or people have different motivations. Most yeah. of them anger, but some of them. Well, and uh, Iroh in the show, because they made him special in the movie by saying he's the only one who could generate his own fire. And Zuko did it once in this too. But Iroh specifically even said, like, you could do it with just your chi, <laughs> which is contradicting to everything that all the firebending scenes were. But even in, like, the show, like, Iroh had such insane fire force without fire <laughs> near him. Like, he was just the most amazing firebender probably to ever exist. Absolutely insane. Um, I hated, in the original, the way this movie ends, and the cartoon... Aang, when he goes into the Avatar state, he goes into this giant water kaiju. Yeah, he, like a koi-shaped kaiju. And it's because he's, he's using the Avatar state and also the power of the moon spirits. Yeah. And so he takes on this giant koi kaiju state, and it's so cool. And he's, like, cutting ships in half with these razor-sharp water like arms that he turns into like giant blades like it is brutal uses giant water waves to push all of the fire nation ships back and it is such a beautifully well done experience in the show and then in this one we get told that he needs to finally have emotions he needs to finally let go of what happened to his friends and family and he needs to just use his emotion to make a giant monsoon tidal wave that sits there until everyone backs away and gives up and then he puts the wave back down and even though he was supposed to do that with emotion 
He shows no emotion. <laughs> yeah. It is. He has this blank face, spins in a circle, raises the wave, and then lowers it. And it's like, ha this take that. This is probably one of the worst kid child actors I have ever seen in anything. It's like compared to even like we talked about the Karate Kid last week. Jaden Smith compared to Noah Ringer is legendary. Oh, absolutely. Like it's insane. The difference of child actors in some of these movies, like most time child actors for me are pretty damn good. Like, especially for what they're doing and their age that they are. This kid, I just, I did not believe a single thing. I, I didn't like any of his faces. I didn't like any of his emotion. I didn't like the way he spoke. Like, there wasn't a single thing I liked about this kid's acting for any of this. Well, most of the time with child actors, if it is, you know, considered bad acting or is bad, I show a little lenience and I forgive it a little bit because they are child actors. They're still learning how to act and, you know, each one, each person has a different experience and level of acting. And, I mean, I'm no master of acting, so, I mean, I can't really say, but... This kid clearly should not have been in the movie. Yeah. Well, and we were talking about, like, the fights and stuff. The fights in this just feel so lackluster, and they have no weight to them. In the original show, like, when you got hit with a fire blast, it would blast. It was insane. Like, sometimes the force of these things, they would just destroy buildings with one hit. And in this movie, like... It just felt like I could fight any firebender or waterbender, and it wouldn't be that bad. Like, it would be hot, but I, it would be like standing in front of an oven at Domino's. Like, it would not be like... <laughs> it's definitely what it seemed like, and part of that, uh, the fire just doesn't look right. And I actually saw a video where they explained how the fire could look better. And if you look at the firebending in this movie, it looks like just a basic fireball but there's no heat emitting from it it mm -hmm. looks like you never see like the heat ripples or you know how you can see the air kind of move a little bit because it's hot or even the lighting of it yeah there was there's, no lighting to the fire the fireball hits the wall of rock in that earth prison and you see no no red no, no light heat, no light there's no source there it is just a blank flat fireball and that's one of the things that i felt like this was missing if he wanted to make this more realistic and more grounded like he said he would why wouldn't he make the fire feel like fire why wouldn't he make it burn it never burnt anything it never left a lasting fire well anywhere it's the same with water bending in the first scene you see katara lifting this giant ball of water out of the uh yeah the i guess the ocean and this giant ball of water is leaking gallons of water underneath it but the size of never the ball shrinks. of water never shrinks with the i mean it doesn't make any sense no, it's just it really does a weird infinitely pouring ball of water <laughs> there's just so many of these things that just really did not add any weight to it and just made it seem so unrealistic and so weird and just not like the original in any way and for someone in all of his interviews to talk about how much he wanted it to be exactly like it and how he wanted to really pay homage to this amazing show and how much he wanted to be accurate in the way everything is spoken and the way everything is seen, like in the way it's casted. I'm like, he didn't do any of it. Well, I even saw an interview uh, to kind of round us out here. Uh, M. Night had an interview with uh, Brian Konitzko and Michael Dante DiMartino, okay. the creators of Avatar. And 
in that interview, he told them how big of a fan he was of the show and the even bigger fans of the show were M. Night's kids. And he would watch the show with them and he's like, it's so good. I'm so looking forward to adapting this and just making this to the best of my ability to honor you guys for creating something so wonderful. And then I, I, I see that interview nowadays after the movie's made and it's like, you did none of that. You dishonored them. You d tore apart all their source material and it yeah. is just not well done. Ooh. <laughs> so in the end, let we'll round this out with our scores uh, of the movie. I, there was one other thing I wanted to point out that I thought was just a really funnily horrible camera shot in this. Oh, absolutely. Sorry. Okay. No, um, go ahead. So there's a scene where Commander Zhao confronts the Fire Lord, and it's where the Fire Lord's uh, reprimanding him for messing up. Oh, okay, yeah. And in this scene, you get a camera shot with a focus on the back of Fire Lord Ozai's head. Just the back of his head. And in the background is a really out of focus Commander Zhao. And then it zooms in <laughs> to, uh, oh, what was it? Oh, it zooms into his like wrist cuff of Fire Lord Ozai. And then it just cuts. Yeah, Zhao answers a question that Ozai asked it there like, do you think Zuko's alive or is the blue spirit? Yeah. You zoom in on the cuff. And yes. <laughs> well, and it's, it's just, it's the, such a bad camera shot. Cause it, there's, you're not focusing on the person who's talking, which is a huge no, no in movies. <laughs> he is out of focus and you're focusing on the back of someone's head. It's, it's the dumbest, weirdest camera shot that felt so out of place that I had to point it out oh, because absolutely. I was just sitting here and I'm just like, I paused it. I was like, why the fuck am I looking at the back of someone's head? And why is he so out of focus in the background? Like, it's like, it's like 4K on the back of his head. And then it's like the worst, like going back to dial up internet, buffering a YouTube video, like 140p. <laughs> it's pretty bad. <laughs> or 72p even. <laughs> like, it's just so blurry. And you're like, what? There are a few camera shots and movements within the movie that yeah. feel very similar. It is it is awful. So yes, I guess let's go into our ratings like David said. Um, I guess, do you want me to go first or do you want to go first? Go for it. I am going to be slightly generous because of the settings, because of the way that a lot of the outfits and the equipment and stuff looked, um, and because of Princess UA. I'm giving this a 9%. 9%? 9. Okay. That is generous, 9%. <laughs> I, I try to be non-biased, but it's hard not to since I'm a huge fan of the show. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I have to go with like a, a negative... Don't like, be sorry. <laughs> negative 10% at least. Oof. It just It does not deserve a positive score. It does not deserve a zero. I'm just going to say negative 10 I'd give it a negative thousand. It's, <laughs> but I'll, I'll go for for uh, record sakes. I'll put negative ten. All right. But this is just awful. It's trash. Not recommended. Don't watch it. It might be if you ever decide to watch it, make it a drinking game. Just drink every time something stupid happens, and you'll be drunk within two minutes. Fantastic time. <laughs> it's, it's true. I guess we, I didn't really. Uh... Realize we kind of didn't even have like a non-spoiler section. We kind of just jumped right into all of it. We kind of did, and 
I'm okay with that because I'm I don't. Okay. I don't think this movie deserves a non-spoiler section. Yeah, because you, you anyone, don't need to watch this. Yeah, <laughs> just listen to this. It's fine. Yeah, it, it's terrible. <laughs> so thank you for joining us today. Yes. Uh, next week we will have a much better time with the movie Spontaneous. Yes, this is one of my good picks. It is a Amazon original. If you guys are wanting Amazon Prime original, if you guys are wanting to watch it with us. Watch it there. Um, you can also get it on like Vudu or Movies Anywhere, any of those other movie apps where you purchase it, Apple Store or whatever. Absolutely. Check it out, and we will see you next time. Bye.